everyone, and welcome to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. I'm sitting here today with Brian Jadon. Brian is a master coach with 25 years of experience in the industry. He found Internal Family Systems 20 years ago and has been one of the pioneers of integrating the model into coaching. He partnered with the IFS Institute to co-design and co-deliver two highly successful global courses on IFS and coaching, and he recently launched the Pisgah Coaching Institute to train and mentor other coaches. Welcome, Brian, to the podcast. Thank you, Natalie. It's a pleasure. I'm so excited that you're here to talk about how you have incorporated IFS and coaching together and created this really successful, really big business that you now have with coaching and IFS. So I'm excited to pick your brain about that and to hear your story about how you got to where you are. And so would you care to share from whatever start you feel like makes sense of sure. yeah, how you got from where you were to where you are now? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for the question. So, you know, my first career was actually as a journalist um, and I was, uh, thought I was going to be doing that the rest of my life. I had my my dream job by age 28. I was news editor of a national magazine and on a very exciting and adventurous track. And um, a chronic illness uh, really uh, abruptly ended that path. And we can talk more about that later in the conversation okay. if that um, is something we want to cover. But um, so I really, you know, that career path was was uh, again, pretty dramatically interrupted. And uh, I spent four years essentially and literally on top of a mountain reflecting and healing. And um, I call it my monastic phase. Um, yeah. I actually uh, lived and worked at an Episcopal retreat center in the North Carolina mountains mm. uh, and uh, really was just, you know, kind of in between stages of my career. But as I healed from the illness which uh, largely remained a mystery. It really, um, the way I was talking about my healing journey was I discovered was impacting other people. And so uh, I kind of naturally gravitated uh, toward um, uh, the therapeutic path. So as I began to heal myself, which was a very, you know, multi-year, multi-dimensional process, I gravitated toward uh, uh, becoming a therapist. And I really thought that was going to be my next career. So I uh, enrolled in the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill Master of Social Work program. I got about halfway through that program and realized that was not the path for me. And then uh, I guess fairly organically gravitated toward coaching. Somebody gave me the opportunity to coach someone in an organization said, hey, I think you'd be good at, you know, it was a manager who I knew in a healthcare organization said, Hey, mm -hmm. I have somebody on my team. I don't, I don't have time to coach them. I think you'd be good at this. Do you want to give it a try? And I said, sure. And mm -hmm. I did it. And I just thought, wow, this is, you know, this is fun. You know, so I and had, it really sort of planted the seed for me. Yeah. And in that moment, did you have any understanding of what was coaching and how to go about doing that? Or just, was it just coming naturally? I think I was making it up in the moment. Really. really I didn't really have a methodology to speak of. I think I just, um, you know, I had some natural abilities and gifts, which is a, now a huge part of my methodology is gift development. But 
uh, I think I just, you know, showed up and, and asked a lot of meaningful questions and the path sort of emerged from there, mostly yeah. intuitively at the time. And, but I thought, wow, this is really, this is something I really want to uh, pursue and, and see what this, where this might take me. And I know you have background in somatic experiencing as well. And so was mm-hmm. that, was that something you were coming across before you found coaching? It was. Okay. So I, you know, my, the onset of my illness was in 1992 and I moved to the North Carolina mountains in 93. And in around 1995, I met a woman named Judith Johnson, who is a very much a pioneer in the mind body uh, trauma resolution field. Mm. So she and Peter Levine, who many of your listeners probably know who uh, created somatic experiencing Judith and Peter were very much contemporaries coming up together and their work influenced each other. So there was a healthy dose of somatic experiencing in her methodology. And so I really started out being a client of hers to support my own healing journey. Uh, But I very quickly became a student of hers and then ultimately a, an apprentice and, uh, and a co, um, a co-facilitator with her. And so my, you know, which is, I think, fairly rare for coaches, uh, as I have a pretty intensive history and background in trauma, trauma resolution work, that work really laid the foundation for my coaching career in many ways. And I think that that immersion in the somatic work which is not interestingly, I don't lead with somatic work, but it 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 gets, you know, sprinkled into my methodology at various points. But mm-hmm. I saw the power of using the body as the entry point. Right. So, you know, it's sort of um, you know, there's the, you know, one of the mantras which, you know, I grew up around listing as, you know, the body never lies and mm. the body will take you to the truth. Uh, so we have the book, you know, the body keeps the score from, you know, one of our trauma pi- uh, pioneers, Besser van der Kolk, but, right. you know, I really saw and experienced firsthand how the body can lead you to the truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I sometimes describe my definition of healing as differentiating between the lie that we've been told or somehow inherited or told ourselves and the truth that's underneath that. So uh, because our bodies and our whole lives begin to organize themselves around the lie. And for me, all of healing is a renegotiation to the truth. I, I, I totally agree with that. And if we don't have that awareness or the curiosity, right? Cause it's, Mm -hmm makes sense that there would be maybe parts of us that have fear if we are experiencing something in our body and parts of us are labeling it as dangerous or bad or uncomfortable or painful that parts of us then would want to reject that or Mm -hmm. find a means to make that go away which again makes sense Mm -hmm. but in the end is if we can pause and see if we can access some of that curiosity and openness towards okay, why is my body having these experiences? And if I take some time to turn towards that and connect with it, what's going to uncover? 
Right. And I've experienced that myself so many mm-hmm. times, even recently in my own personal work, turning towards something that has been present within the body and uncovering something that to the intellectual mind, you'd never come up with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't right. think your way to, oh, I'm having this aching in this part of my body or this and say, oh, that must that must connect with this thing over here of when I was 12, <laughs> you know, right. exactly. so it is it's having that that ability to, I'm sure, like sit with these amazing people like Judith and Peter and Susan McConnell and, and even like with Dick Schwartz incorporating turning inwards, right? Like that's like the first step of IFS It's pausing, turning inwards, noticing where, what do you feel within the body in regards to the part and how that can be like an awesome starting point. And appreciating, yes. And appreciating and actually giving thanks to how our systems have protected us yeah in response to trauma whether that trauma is you know what we sometimes call big t trauma or little t trauma you know we can really begin to see how patterns how our whole systems organized to um to save us or to protect us or to prevent further injury mm-hmm. uh, and and on some level uh these are survival patterns and yeah. so you know part of i think all you know a lot of healing and then ultimately in the kind of coaching that that i do and others do that is maybe trauma informed or ifs informed is really beginning to uh, see, to understand and appreciate how the system has organized itself in response to trauma. And, you know, so again, it's sort of how do we move out of these survival patterns, which include often physiological patterns, but also uh, mental, emotional, and spiritual patterns as well, Mm -hmm. and uh, including our narrative. So I often say, you know, we all tell ourselves and others a story every single day about what reality is or what is true and that's our narrative and that's so there are parts of us that their whole job is to tell a story which may have never been true it may have been true at some point and is no longer true or maybe there are parts of the story that are still true so part of the evolution through coaching i believe is you know what is the story that's actually true today and what is a new story that we can tell that informs us moving into, again, uh, around truth. What is our truth? But also ultimately in my methodology, what is our vision? Mm. You know, who do we want to be in the world? Who we, who, I often say, who are we ready to become? What are we ready to create? And what do we want to feel and experience along the way? Those are the three dimensions of the visioning process that I use in my methodology. So, um, and that's a very generative process. Right. And so you... You went into school for trauma therapy to be a therapist, but then realized, meh, this is, I'm not really feeling this route. And then you found the coaching route. And then where did IFS come in? So I was living in Asheville, North Carolina at the time. I uh, actually now only live an hour from Asheville. I'm in, I'm in a more rural part of the North Carolina mountains, but uh, when I was living in Asheville, I, um, one of my dear friends um, uh, was uh, Karen Blachet. And Karen is um, a real 
uh, one of the pioneers of IFS in terms of one of the original lead trainers, I believe. And um, she and I were part of a, a community of friends in and around the Asheville area. And uh, she said, you know, she sort of knew my path and the trajectory I was on professionally. And she said, you know, I think this uh, this model IFS would really support where you're headed. And so she nudged me in that direction and uh, which is um, where I went. And then uh, I had the opportunity to do coaching trades with Karen, which was a tremendous privilege and honor because, you know, she's a master of IFS. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to to trade sessions with her for, uh, gosh, a number of years, I think. And so that really helped um, illuminate the path for me. Yeah, and then, very cool. So once I found IFS, that really... Um, I, I really was drawn to the um, how honoring a model it is and how um, I often say that it's a nonviolent model because I think there are actually violent models of coaching. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So, um, but such an honoring model in terms of, you know, working with the whole system that I, I naturally and immediately gravitated to it. So I did my level one and I think the very next year I did my level two. I was also did a train the trainer with a couple from Germany, uh, Inga and Tomas Dietz, who did a training on Lake Michigan, I think around 2003, 2004. And they were integrating five different methodologies into a system that they were successfully taking into German corporations like Chrysler. And yeah. when I did their training, and IFS was one of those methodologies, uh, and when I saw, when I took their training, the whole, everything sort of opened up. I thought, wow, now I can really glimpse what's possible mm. because at the time I was really heading into pretty hardcore business coaching, incorporating IFS. But um, that really, really showed me what was possible in terms of how IFS could be integrated into a system that you could work with people outside the therapy office. And that just was really enlightening and very inspiring to me at the time. That's very neat how it kind of just all fell into place. Mm -hmm. And could you share with the listeners and with me more in depth about what is coaching? Mm -hmm. Sure. So, you know, I know there's a definition that ICF or the International Coaching Federation has on coaching. I, I don't have that, you know, that's, that's not my guiding beacon, but, uh, you know, for me personally, coaching is clarifying and living into uh, one's vision. That's my own uh, definition or, or I guess um, stamp on, on what coaching is. So, um, you know, it's really more, I would say more present future oriented, whereas a lot of therapy can be more present past oriented, right? obviously with elements of the future, but I see coaching as sort of more present future in terms of, again, what am I ready to create? Who am I ready to become? And what do I want to feel and experience along the way? To me, uh, my whole coaching methodology supports that process. So it's sort of like, who, who do I want to be when I grow up at this stage mm -hmm. of my life and career? And how do we help you in the coaching process that will actually engage your whole system, not just parts of you. And so, um, because a lot of what I see in um, the coaching uh, community in the coaching industry is that um, coaching 
uh, often aligns only with the parts of the client that is ready to embark on a change initiative, uh, ready yeah. to create, ready to become, but often either ignores or bypasses or at worst shames and tries to annihilate parts of the client that are not enrolled. And those mm -hmm. parts might be skeptical, resistant, fearful. And by the way, I did this early in my coaching career. I did, I mean, as a, I remember going into a, uh, as a, as a team of consultants into a really large organizational system. And I remember having a meeting in person with the management team mm -hmm. and some key players about the change initiative. And I remember that there were some in the client group that were really vocal and energetic about where we were headed. And then there was a little handful of people that didn't say anything. And, you know, I kind of remember in that moment having a little bit of like, God, I wonder what's going on with the people who aren't talking. Right. But we didn't go there. So, you know, in IFS now we've learned that there may be parts of the system that are not enrolled and in some cases waiting to sabotage yeah. Whatever. Not only are they not going to participate, but they can actually sabotage and destroy whatever it is that you're um, embarking on. And that's what happened in this instance. And that was a hugely formational experience. And that was actually pre-IFS. But when I look back at that engagement through the IFS lens, I can say, oh, that makes total sense. You know, these are people who were not bought in. They don't believe in where we're headed. Mm -hmm. uh, they have concerns, they have fears, they're skeptical, whatever the, you know, yeah. the variety of the parts might be. And we never engage them. And to the peril of the organizational vision and to the um, change initiative we were embarking on. So that really, that, that moment and that engagement has always stayed with me. Yeah. And that makes so much sense. Right. And especially as IFS is a constraint release model, if, mm -hmm we're not turning towards the parts of us or let's say in an organization, the other individuals that are having, like you were saying, maybe the fears, the shoulds, the shaming, whatever it might be, the hesitations regarding a shift that might be happening within a business. If exactly. you're not addressing that, then like you were just saying, then it's over time, it could still create these constraints from Absolutely. moving forward towards whatever that vision is. So that's where it is so important to turn towards the individuals and then also the parts mm -hmm. of that are maybe creating that constraint so exactly. that, yeah, they can feel seen, they can feel heard and potentially they can soften in that energy. If that's the direction that maybe it needs to go, or sometimes it, I'm, I'm assuming sometimes it can shift in other ways that might even be better. Exactly. In, in fact, I just had a, a client, I mean, I had a, a session with a new uh, individual coaching client the other day. And, you know, we gave voice to one of these parts, there was actually a whole cluster of parts that were not on board with, again, we, we started out with a, with a bit of visioning, in terms of what that individual was ready uh, to experience in their life, and in their work. And we were able to invite this whole cluster of parts that were not on board with that vision to have a voice. And one of those parts stepped forward and asked a question, you know, something in the, in the order of, well, what if we can't really, what if we bump into obstacles along the way that we can't get past? 
And mm-hmm. so there was sort of this image of a fire. What if we can't put out the fire? We had come across a fire. We can't put out a fire. So I just uh, intuitively paused in that moment and say, wow, what a great question. Mm-hmm. You know, like really honoring the question that came from that part and honoring the part. And I just said, you know, can we just sit with that question? That's such a powerful question. What if we, what if we come across a fire that can't be put out? And so we spent several minutes just kind of, uh, kind of engaging that question in a very honoring way. And, you know, from that came a lot of wisdom. Right. And so not only can we, is it, is it helpful to provide space for and invite parts that may be resistant, skeptical, or fearful, but they have what we've learned through IFS is that these parts have tremendous wisdom and gifts for that individual or the system that we're working with. So not only if we try to bypass or annihilate or minimize or shame or some combination of those things, not only are we risking uh, at best ineffectiveness and at worst sabotage, we are actually um, missing some really valuable wisdom for the, that we need for the system to evolve in a healthy and sustainable way. So that's, I've seen that play out over and over and over in my coaching. And Mm -hmm. so we begin to have develop almost this uh, genuine reverence for these parts that may not be on board. And that just is a game changer. You know, I think that, that, you know, and then what happens, we do see these parts often and then we actually are able to uh, invite the core essence of these protector or resistor parts or skeptical parts to begin to reveal themselves. And that really becomes part of the alchemical process of coaching. So we begin to invite in these really essential energies uh, into the process and it just is a game changer. And so that's what I found is that really opens the door to a very powerful path for the client. Yeah, absolutely. And cause again, it, I can imagine if you're trying to ignore or reject or jump over those parts mm-hmm. that have that resistance or the shoulds or all of that hesitations, then you might temporarily get to right. the vision or the goal, whatever it might be, but it, it may ultimately down the road, whether it's a month from now or six months from now, those parts are going to pop up again <laughs> because they weren't right. addressed. And yeah, so uh, taking the time, it sounds like, and you talk about, you know, coaching the whole person mm-hmm. in regards to this vision clarification. Mm-hmm. So parts mapping about the vision. Right. Which I imagine would you say is, you know, inviting the person to clarify what their vision is. Yep. And then to notice what are all the different parts that come up in regards to that vision. Exactly. And there's probably going to be parts that are excited and like, yeah, let's do this. And then there's going to be parts like we were talking about that are like, no. (laughs) What about this? What about that? Hold on. I have this fear, you know. And again, if you're jumping over and just being like, oh, let's just let's just push back all to all of that. And let's just focus on the parts of us that are pushing forward. Again, there might be temporary push through, but ultimately probably not sustaining. Exactly. Ultimately, it's not sustainable and, and things will typically implode or explode mm. at some point down the road. Yeah. Uh, 
if we don't do that. And yes, you have it exactly right. I mean, once we get the vision clarified, uh, and visions come in many shapes and sizes, depending on the individual or the client or the group or the community that we're working with. And but you're but that but that piece comes in, and that's that's where IFS comes in pretty quickly into my method is, you know, yeah, now that we have this vision, let's see who's in the room who has uh, a reaction to that vision, you know, or has thoughts or you know concerns or emotions or. Mm-hmm reactions to that vision let's get all let's let's invite all of those to the table right now and see who those are and then we can begin to engage those and that's not an overnight process it's you know we may work with those parts over the course of months um as we move down the path so but at least we know initially who's who and we begin to invite them into the process hopefully in ways that are generative for uh, the client to begin to live into their vision. So um, I find that, yeah, that that the system really responds well when they're invited, when these parts are invited into the process pretty early on in the, in the process. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense because again, I just had a vision of the example you gave a little bit ago of physically being like maybe in a boardroom and being there as a coach with an organization and you've got the people that are sitting at the table that are like really into whatever it is the vision is and then maybe the people in the background like sitting in the corner with their arms crossed and giving a side eye and yes (laughs) and they might just be being ignored and because they're being maybe overshadowed by these other parts that are excited and like kind of managerial that are like yeah 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 let's do it do it do it and and it's like, yeah, you got to take the time to pause and to turn towards the people in the back and to give them the time, exactly. <laughs> give them the time, give them and the, the opportunity and the respect. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I like, wonder if this is a moment where we could do a little bit of it in the moment yeah, coaching yeah. with you um, yeah. just to invite, you know, sort of our listeners to have a little sort of mini experience. So would, would that be okay if you and I have a little oh, conversation? Yeah. yeah, let's do it. You're down for that. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of wondering what is something that you're either ready to create or who you're ready to become as a person or professional in your life mm. and, or something that you want to feel or experience more consistently in your day-to-day world as a professional or um, in your personal life? And just get a sense of one, maybe one of those aspects that either you're in process with or ready to initiate. One thing that immediately is on my mind that came to my mind that has been something there for a little while, but especially recently has been, and this is more professional related, which is the the possibility of inviting someone to join me in my practice, mm-hmm. someone that I could you know, give clients to and help them build their career. And Mm. so, yeah, that's something that I've been envisioning and feeling Mm -hmm. drawn towards and noticing hesitations. When you think about that, how long, how long has that been in your awareness or even on the periphery of your awareness? Um, I would say probably within the past four months for sure, Mm -hmm. but getting stronger within the past like two months. So you have perhaps a a vision part or vision parts that have been carrying this vision of what's possible. Mm -hmm. If you were to invite someone else 
into your practice? And are we primarily talking your therapy practice or it goes beyond that or therapy therapy practice? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe just, uh, you know, we don't probably won't take time in this conversation to do a full fledged visioning process because, uh, but I do want to kind of invite you to kind of maybe glimpse ahead, you know, in a certain time frame, whether that's six months or a year or longer where you've maybe lived into this vision and see even if you can get a glimpse of what that looks like, feels like. Yeah. And do you want and me just, to share with you what I yeah, see? Yeah, if you would, just what what are you noticing with them? What I notice is I see physically, you know, me continuing to do my practice with seeing my own clients, doing the podcast, and physically being next to, you know, another office next to me where there's someone there and we can connect with each other and be a support, you know, for one another. And I can be providing that person some mentorship, you know, mm -hmm. within IFS and providing them with clients and helping them, like I said before, kind of build their mm -hmm. expertise and their practice. And for me as well, kind of this feeling of excitement because mm -hmm. there are parts of me that love to mentor and to teach. And then mm -hmm. there's also like this feeling of what's the word, a sense of calm. Like it's like that excited calmness, yeah. if that makes sense, you know, mm -hmm. like not feeling rushed or bogged down, but it's like, I know I have this other person and I can mm -hmm. be giving them the gift of, again, working with, working with clients, making right. money. Um, yeah. So that's what I and envision. It, and what I hear in that, in your reporting out is it sort of has several dimensions to it. So there's a mentoring piece for you. There's, which probably draws on archetypes mm -hmm. and parts of yours that really want expression in your professional life. And so those parts or archetypes in you get uh, have more expression. And then there's also, I'm hearing there's a collaborative spirit and mm -hmm. there's a sense of kind of this mutual reciprocal relationship that has benefits for both of you, whoever that right. individual is. And it also may nurture sort of a sense of, I'm not on my own here, you know, mm. that, that I'm actually can, you know, can do this. I don't know for, for, for many of us in, in whether we're a therapist or a coach, it's really easily, it's really easy to be the lone ranger. Yeah. Sort of say, gosh, I've got to do all this by myself. I have to solve this by myself. And, and that's one of the, uh, I think, you know, for me, I know for myself, you know, being a part of a community is really powerful and mm -hmm. to have that represented and even sort of on a micro scale in your own business, your own practice, you get to practice being in community and begin to experience that. So what's it like hearing all that reflected back to you? It's beautiful. I feel my system feeling heard and clarification because, mm -hmm. you know, it can feel kind of jumbly if it's within you. And so hearing it reflected back, but in a very kind of clear 
in concise way is very nice. <laughs> so I'm very Great. appreciative of that. So let's now see, let's invite parts of you that may have been listening to this conversation around vision and just see who you notice. Are there, do you notice parts that are excited, energized, enthusiastic, maybe inspired? And do you also notice any parts that are, I'm not so sure about that, or gosh, well, how would that work? Or, you know, maybe that's not a great path. So just begin to kind of invite whoever wants to reveal themselves and just see who is there and maybe report that out if you would. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, immediately <laughs> I have awareness of both mm -hmm. uh, parts of me that are really excited and, you know, have already reached out to some, you know, other people in the field that have done this mm -hmm. just to pick their brains of like, how to go about doing this, you know, what's the first steps, that type of thing. So I, I'm aware of those parts. And then there's also other parts that I'm aware of that are connected to fears and hesitations mm -hmm. regarding kind of, again, connected to the other side of also, well, how do we do this? Right. You know, what is the first step? I don't know what to do. Um, what if we aren't able to really help that person that comes on and kind of that what if we fail mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i want to invite you to kind of let all those parts know that you see them and you hear them and that you appreciate them and that they all get a voice and they all have a right to be there and to the ones that might have questions or concerns or maybe a bit of hesitation or fear, particularly let those parts know that uh, if you do decide to really clarify this vision and begin to live into it, that those parts will have a seat at the table, that they won't be overridden or bypassed or judged. And that you, if you do decide to move forward, that you wanna make sure you do that in a way that is honoring to all your parts and see if they're able to receive that from you. Yeah. I mean, I, I can like see them. I'm closing my eyes and I'm very visual typically with my mm -hmm. parts and I can see them like to the left of me, the ones that have the hesitations and the fears. And as I said, those words to them that you were offering, I felt this sense of kind of like a sigh but in a, a way of like, okay, thank you. Like a sense of calm that this isn't going to be just me aligning with the other parts to my right that are holding the excitement to want to push towards that. That, like you said, they will have a seat at the table, that they're welcome to be here. And I want to hear from them. Mm -hmm. I really genuinely do. And they can feel that. And I can see almost an image of one part, though, on, on the left that seems to have her arms crossed mm -hmm. and kind of, yeah, this energy of like, okay, <laughs> you right. know, I have some things to say and you better listen <laughs> type exactly. energy. Yeah. 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 You better be serious about that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And not only will they have a seat at the table, but over time, my guess is that they will have some real contributions to make. To yeah. The whole process. So, um, so yeah, thank you. Absolutely. For, yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Brian. That was, I'm excited to listen back to this and write some notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, keep me posted. Oh, I will. I will. Thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate that. And that was so beautiful and just so easily flowed together. You inviting me to, yeah, move towards a vision and, and then just to notice, like you said, who's there. But also I liked the part where you invited me to really see and feel Mm -hmm. what that would be like six months from now, five years from now, whatever, whenever that is to notice, yeah, what do I see? What do I feel if this is at fruition? And that I think was really helpful Great. to then you yeah. some more time doing that on your own. You could, you know, maybe have a, a more fuller meditation experience, or you could do what some people call scripting, which you can write out the vision and sort mm. of you know what and 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 as you write out or whether it's in meditation or in the writing to really get specific about what you see and notice and feel yeah and experience and um and that can that can really um that can be a very powerful experience so okay yeah thank you, you for sharing good, that i think you got a good glimpse of that i did yeah thank you thank mm-hmm. you so much and yeah that was that was really powerful for me and I guess one thing that I'm curious about too is what would you say, and we've kind of touched on this already a little bit, but is there anything else you want to add to for, I guess, maybe people listening who are coaches, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe they've never heard of IFS Mm -hmm. or they don't know how to incorporate IFS into this, but maybe they've been engaging in kind of that more traditional way of coaching. What would you say are maybe kind of the the growth edges or kind of the quote unquote shadows of traditional coaching that, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm curious about what your thoughts are. Yeah, it's a great question. I think, um, you know, part of where I would invite coaches who are in that place is to begin to get to know their, what we often call their own coaching parts. So that would involve doing some form of a mapping of parts of them that are involved in their coaching currently. And so these could be um, parts that might have really uh, strong opinions and thoughts about what coaching should look like or what the outcomes of coaching should be and what say they should be providing their clients or not providing their clients. So I would say a great place to start is to begin to do an inventory of their own parts related to their coaching. So, uh, and these could be parts that might have uh, concerns or fears. These could be parts that um, have very particular ideas about what the outcomes of coaching should be, um, what makes coaching valuable or not valuable, you know, so that that's where I would invite people to go initially. Um, So that's a part of the, methodology I teach pretty early on is to be for people to get to their own, begin to get to know their own inner team of parts around themselves as coaches. 
And then that's a process uh, over time as well is to begin to really um, build rapport with those parts, to befriend those parts. Uh, Often those parts carry burdens. So those have to be tended to and mitigated for them to really show up as, as we say in IFS universe, Mm self-led. So what's going to, you know, how can they work with their own internal team of parts in a way that is going to allow them to be, to show up in a way that's, um, doesn't have an agenda, you know, that doesn't carry a burden, that doesn't put a burden on the client or doesn't try to, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the categories of the mapping tool that I teach in my methodology, I call mapping your internal influences. So one of those eight categories is, um, or what I call core needs. So, you know, the right to, to be valued, the right to be seen, the, uh, the need to be, you know, to, to the need to, to contribute, um, Mm -hmm. the right to exist, you know, there's a whole range. And so, you know, we could look and say, well, how am I showing up as a coach that's trying to meet one or more of my core needs? Mm -hmm. And that can be a powerful inquiry. Yeah. And often we're unconscious in that, that we're coaching in a way that's trying to meet one or more core needs and that's preventing us to show up in a more generative way with our clients. And it actually puts a burden on our clients without us realizing right. it. I mean, we, we don't intend to, you know, to do that, but that's just what's happening. So that inquiry process, that mapping and inquiry and befriending and renegotiation process can be a really powerful part of the journey of the coach. Right. And you now coach mainly other coaches. I do. Yeah. And so one thing I'm curious about is, what would you say off the top of your head are maybe the most common parts that are within other coaches that might be mm-hmm. present and maybe coming from a burden place, either from their past or from maybe like the coaching traditional way of coaching and kind of the underlying tones there. Are there any yes. ones that you're like, Oh yeah, I hear this a lot. Yeah. There are a couple that are, coming to mind. One is um, how we define success with a client. So we, most of us have a part or parts that have particular ideas about what success looks like, or uh, what makes me a valuable coach? Am I providing value? Because most of us, if not all of us want to provide value, but how are we defining that? How are we measuring that? How do we know whether we're offering value or not? And for many coaches, not getting, you know, get, not getting from point A to point B, even in one session means that I've failed. Mm. So, you know, that can be a burden that a part carries that says, Hey, if we don't get to this place or we don't get to this part of the, of the journey in one or X number of sessions, somehow we've not provided value. And so that would be one that comes up. Yeah. And I imagine if that was a part within a coach that was maybe stuck in a burden place that, like you were saying, it has an impact then on the person that they're working with their client, because then if they're not aware of that part within them as the coach, and let's Mm -hmm. say the client that they're working with isn't getting to point A to point B that the coach has a part of them has deemed, Oh, in order for this to be a successful coaching session, I have to get them to hear, but it's not happening. And then I imagine like for the coach, they could then become blended with that part of them, maybe like a managerial part that's like getting frustrated or pushing the the client's system to go somewhere that they're not ready to go. Exactly. Yeah. 
Exactly. So there, so now it, we're, we're more than likely we're not in self energy in those moments. Right. Um, we're also not eliciting self energy in the client. We're not in a generative space. We're not in the moment with what's happening. So, you know, I teach in my training, three core competencies of coaching. One is presence. Another is attunement and another is illumination. So, mm. um, you know, the presence is our quality of presence in the moment, in the session. The, uh, al- the attunement is how attuned am I to the client system moment to moment in a session? So how am I attuned I am to what they're experiencing in the moment and from, from any given moment to the next and the ability to track that and to have that inform the coaching session. And then the illumination is the ability to illuminate the map as it reveals itself in any given session, but also session to session. So that's where a lot of the magic happens, so to speak, is when we're actually embodying those three core competencies of coaching. Mm, yeah. And what were they again? Presence, attunement, and illumination. Yeah, that's beautiful and so powerful and impactful both for the coach and for the client, right? I mean, it's a win-win when there can be that awareness. It is. It's total win-win. Another one that I often see is that we maybe are a little too, uh, some, some of us as coaches can be a little bit too, you know, the physician's vow do no harm, you know, that carries over to, to coaching as well. So sometimes we sometimes are a little bit overly protective or maybe constrain our own instincts because we don't want to cause harm to the client. Mm. So that I, I see that show up sometimes. So in other words, we're not really allowing ourselves to be in the moment with what feels right in terms of how to show up with the client, because we don't want there to be maybe it to be misinterpreted or misconstrued, or maybe it does, it's not going to have value, or maybe they're going to think it's too off grid or whatever Mm. the concern is. Sometimes that can um, hinder the coaching process in the moment as well. Okay. So not really listening to intuitively what is coming forward and is then are there parts within the coach that maybe have fears or concerns about offering whatever that might be. And one really good balance to that. So we haven't really talked about uh, yet about the core principles of my um, coaching institute, but one of the ways to, I guess, um, provide a little bit of insurance around that is to um, really part of the attunement to the client system. So one of the core principles of the coaching institute is that the client's innate intelligence is the supreme guide of the coaching experience and mm-hmm. supersedes any external inputs from the coach. Nice. I'm going to read that one more time. Yeah. Clients innate intelligence is the supreme guide of the coaching experience and supersedes any external inputs from the coach. Yeah. And I think that is one thing that differentiates this type of coaching from a lot of coaching that happens in the marketplace. You know, we're talking about the little bit around the shadow of the coaching industry is that when we have that as one of our, or some version of that as one of our core principles, we're really attuned to the client system and that's informing the process more than anything else. Right. And instead of coming from maybe like a manager driven coaching right. mindset, right. That's coming at it as I'm the expert, I'm the coach. Let me tell you what to yeah. do. You know, it's 
it, the client has this innate wisdom and intelligence within them. And I can help coach and be with them as a guide to help bring awareness to exactly. that self energy. Right. And exactly. that, that wisdom. Yeah. As my, as my, as my dear friend and mentor Judith once told me, she said, the old paradigm is I know, but you don't know. So I'm going to tell you what you don't know, or I'm going to show you what you don't know. And the new paradigm is, I don't know, but you don't, but you know. Right. And so my whole job is to help you understand and reveal what you know. What you already know, what's already there. Yeah. And that reminds me of in therapy and psychotherapy, there's deficit models. And then like we've Mm -hmm. talked about the constraint release models, right? And so IFS is is a constraint release, which aligns with what you just said of like, I don't know, but you know, and I'm going to help you find that inner knowing. And then the deficit model of of therapy is that I know, and you don't know, and I'm going to tell you what you need to know. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to give you the resources because you don't have them, you know, type thing. So yeah. That's not to say there's not a role for content, you know, to to content, you know, that's a whole different deal, but yeah. Yeah. That there can be that beautiful understanding of the person, the client has that innate intelligence and we can help be a guide and helping them access that. And there can also be tools and resources in which we can help, but we can offer them in order to then help the person get in tune with the parts and the self-energy and all of that. Yeah. I I, I agree and, with all of that. And for me, that starts with the vision. You know, my job is not right. to give someone their vision. I'm My job is to help you reveal the vision that you are ready to clarify and begin to fulfill and then work toward that. Right. And as part of that process, begin to help you reveal what your gifts are. So mm-hmm. not to tell you what your gifts are, because there's no way I could know what they are, but I'm going to invite you into a process where your gifts will begin to reveal themselves. Mm-hmm. And then we can map those gifts to um one of the methods in my in my training is the five stages of gift development so with the gifts seem to reveal themselves we can map those to the stages where are you and begin to help those gifts really be, have full expression in support of your vision whatever the vision is that you've clarified so yeah um, but that's not something i could ever articulate for another client yeah that makes a lot of sense and you've already shared one of the core principles of your coaching Institute. Do you want to share some more? Sure. So another one that's really uh, important is uh, the idea of consent. So, you know, I've come to the realization that uh, consent is needed at every stage of the coaching process. And that's often not, we don't see that in some aspects of the coaching industry, but I think that's really important. Um, So to really ask for consent from the very beginning of the coaching process in terms of where we're headed or not headed, that's part of the scoping of where, you know, what is our contract, lower C contract in terms of what is the ground we're going to cover? Are we going to cover internal, your internal experience as well as your external experience? And then session to session, have consent about where we're headed. And so that, So the coaching really becomes a co-creative process. So there's consent that happens at the outset, consent that happens session to session, and then consent that happens moment to moment within an individual coaching session. So, Mm -hmm. 
you know, sort of, you know, as a coach, we might get a hit to say, Hey, I think this might be a direction that we want to head. Just check in with your own system and see, does that feel right to you? Does this a place that you Mm want to go? You know, particularly if it has a sensitive nature or we begin to begin to work with more vulnerable parts and their internal world, but even externally, you know, in terms of, you know, is this a place that you feel ready, you and your parts feel ready to go? Right. So that practice of consent is really, really powerful and supports the coaching process. Yeah. And invites the person to bring awareness to, like you were saying, the parts of them that might have any hesitations, fears, or concerns about any of the steps. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes, well, a lot of the time, it's like you got to connect with those parts in order to really have a full, well, like you say, the, the whole person experience of towards this vision. So I love that consent makes a lot of sense. And it's really, it's really, that supports another principle, which is really developing self-leadership. So that's part of what we're teaching and coaching and inviting our clients to practice is some form of self-leadership. They're learning to lead their own systems in a way where their parts are informing how they show up in life and in their careers, but not dictating Mm. how they show up. Right. So that's part of what we're inviting is a, a very self-led practice, which, you know, self-leadership ends up being, you know, almost a spiritual practice in some form that's daily that impacts how we lead ourselves mm-hmm. day by day, moment by moment, you know, event by event. Yeah. Any other ones you want to share? Um, just that, you know, the the idea of whole system alignment is important as a as a principle in, in the coaching process. So that whatever goals or vision are articulated and named that um, we really are dedicated toward whole system alignment toward those goals in that vision. So that's always very present in the coaching process is to work. You know, I, I often describe when I work with clients uh, initially that we're going to work toward as total internal alignment and external alignment of your stated and clarified vision. So that becomes really a, a kind of a living, breathing, breathing process mm-hmm. to work toward that total alignment. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Any others? Um, those are probably, they're about seven total, but that's probably good for now. Perfect. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, for people listening that this is really piqued their interest and, they would love to get in contact with you or, you know, the business, where can people go in terms of websites? Well, I just um, created a new website for the coaching Institute not long ago. And so that website is pisgacoaching.com and Pisga is spelled P I S P as in Paul, I S G A H coaching.com. And there they can find out a little bit about the coaching Institute and my coaching training and if anyone is interested in talking to me about the training, I'm always happy to jump on a Zoom call or a phone conversation to talk about the training and also learn, you know, a bit about where they are in their own coaching journey and see if it might be a fit for them. So um, they can always email me. My email is Brian, B-R-I-A-N at com, And Jadon is J-A-U-D-O-N. I think all that information is on the website. I just gave you. Perfect. And I'll put that in the show notes too. So people can have an easy click 
in order to get in contact with you. Well, Brian, this was so wonderful. This was great. Thank you so much for sharing all this great information about how you've incorporated IFS and coaching so beautifully together. And I'm just really grateful. And thank you so much for leading and guiding me inwards towards a vision that I have and the parts of me that are connected to that vision. I really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. It was great to be with you. Great to be with you. All right, everyone. I will talk to you next time. Bye.